Spirit of God to be with us. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you that we serve the living God. One who's very active in our lives. If all we did was just remember the great things you did when you once lived, that would be worth talking about. Would be worth celebrating. But Father, we thank you that we don't just celebrate what you have done, but we celebrate what you continue to do. We celebrate not just the life that you've lived, but the life you continue to live in us and through us. We thank you so much for the ongoing love and work that you do in each of our hearts, Lord. Help us now to worship you in spirit and in truth. We pray this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
that's the Apostles' Creed set to music. <laughs> and that's our basic declaration of what we believe. Amen. We believe in a God who has always been and always will be. He's the same God. Yesterday, today, and
invite you not just into a building, but into the sanctuary of our hearts this morning. We invite you to come to reveal more of Jesus today, that we might see more of him and know more of him and worship him.
by asking him, have any of you ever felt down, one word of saying is downcast and some of you are laughing like, are you kidding? <laughs> yeah, I, I know not everybody deals with like clinical depression, but it's a part of human experience, human nature, human living to experience times of low or uh, just feeling down, uh, depressed. Sometimes you can feel sad for what feels like no reason. You can't figure out why, but you just feel low. And this is something that maybe we don't always talk a lot about to one another because uh, isn't it funny how when you're feeling low, it seems like everybody else is doing just awesome. <laughs> and you're like, if I go and tell them, they're going to think there's something wrong with me. But kind of what I want to start off with this morning is that though we all have those moments and we may look around and it seems like everybody else is doing great, um, they're just not in their time. Everybody goes through this at points. And uh, Psalm 42 is a great example of someone that uh, is known in Scripture as being a friend of God. Uh, he, he writes prolifically uh, throughout the Scripture. The Holy Spirit uses him in many ways. His life, uh, the things that he did and said, uh, God was with him without doubt. He was the greatest king uh, that Israel ever knew on the earth. And then his song here begins, uh, Psalm 42, verse 1 says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you 
in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him. For the help of His presence, O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do you go on why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries revile me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. David is the writer being carried along by the Holy Spirit. David writes psalms like this. This is not the only one. But the same David also writes some of the most worshipful, joyful, celebratory psalms. David also speaks of dancing before the Lord, playing the harp and the lyre and the tambourine and uh, leaping and jumping and shouting and praise to God. It's not only in his psalms that he writes, but it's in the account of his life. When he came in from battle, he was singing and dancing, and then according to his first wife, Micah, he was making a fool of himself, which is where we get our modern song, uh, I will be undignified for the Lord, because that's what David says. I will be even more undignified. I'm not worried about having this perfect appearance. His joy could be so great, so overwhelming, so strong, his worship so high that he jumped and leapt and spun and sang and played instruments before the Lord. And he wrote beautiful poems about how great and mighty and powerful his God is. And at the same time, that same man can hit more points like this, like we see in Psalm 42, where his soul is like a deer panting for water. It's dry. It's, it's, it's thirsting. It feels empty. It doesn't feel refreshed. He, too, describes how his soul is in despair. In fact, he, we, we find this this conversation that his spirit is having with his soul. He's asking his own soul, why are you so downcast, as the NIV puts it? Why are you so in despair, oh my soul? Why? Sometimes we ask those questions of ourselves. Sometimes we wonder, why do I feel so low? Why do I feel so heavy? Why do I feel so down? Sometimes it's hard to understand 
why those things come upon us. I know that we, we could certainly, and I'll, I'll just touch on it and not spend time on it, but your diet can affect that. There's lots of things. The amount of intake of news, bad news, can kind of get you all uh, stirred up or down. Um, we know that, I, I think, maybe it's always been this way, but maybe it's just now something I'm noticing more. How many families, good, solid families that have been in church all their lives, raised all their kids in church. And the heartache that I see, the families dividing, splitting, not getting along. And that's even harder this time of the year. Or maybe it's one that is a part of the family that has gone off into some type of sin or rebellion and uh, it's breaking hard. There's some type of addiction or something. These things bring heavy feelings. They cause us to feel down. But there's times where it's hard to put our finger on it. There's one thing when you can go to someone go see your pastor or go see a friend or a Sunday school teacher or call up a deacon or go see your mom, your dad, your grandparent and say, I'm feeling so down. And they say, well, why? Well, it's because of this or because of that. And then you can get a little counsel. Someone can say, well, you know, those, these things are temporary. Or why don't we pray together for that person or the situation? But those times where you feel down and you don't even know why you feel down. You just can't seem to get yourself up off the floor. It's that mystery. It's like David saying, why are you so downcast? I think sometimes, especially if you've been walking with God for very long, you might ask yourself, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Because you know God. You know that He's great and mighty. You know He's got things. And yet, you feel so low, so empty, so much in despair. I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe there's been times in your life where you're feeling that way. And then you begin to go, why do I feel like this? God has given me a job. He's given me a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. He's given me a nice home. I'm, I have good friends. There's so many people in the world that don't have what I have. Why do I feel down? Why do I feel low? What do I have to be all down about? We all have momentary things, stuff that can be like an anchor to our soul. I think as we look at David, he's not the only one. The apostles quote something, or rather they write it out, I believe it's in the book of Acts. When they began to go through persecution and things. And what they quote from is Psalm 44. In verse 20. And there's a lot more here to this psalm that talks like this. But I'm going to try to keep it short here. 
If we had forgotten the name of our God or extended our hand to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. That's the part that's quoted. For your sake, we are killed all day long. We are cons considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake, do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. The apostles quote that part about how we are... Uh, we are a sheep for the slaughter. They quote that when they're sharing the gospel, when they're, they're preaching God's word, they're being locked up in prison, they're being beaten, they're going through all kinds of things. And you might wonder, as Paul or Peter or John sat in a prison cell, as they were taking care of wounds from the latest beating. If there wasn't ever a time that they said, God, why, why aren't you stepping in? Why aren't you intervening? Where are you? you might wonder how many times did they feel really low and abandoned by God. You know, Jesus himself said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he hung on the cross. It's a part of human nature to feel these times where we feel God is very distant or absent in our life, where we feel alone, where a heaviness and a downcast can come over us. And it's not, it's not always a direct result or direct evidence of your relationship with God being in a bad way. The accounts I'm giving you are people who, who have a pretty strong walk with the Lord. And yet, they hit these low places. Now granted, anytime sin comes into our life, guys, that's, that's going to make you feel low once you begin to get past the high of it. Uh, it's kind of like a sugar high. It feels good in the moment, and then you crash. Yeah. That's what sin is like. We crave it. We want it. We indulge in it, and then we feel really miserable afterward. I have that problem with donuts and things. <laughs> they look so darn good. We'll eat them and eat them, and they go, oh, this is so good, so good. And then I lay there going, why? Why did I eat that? Why did I eat not just one? Why did I eat six? Drink <laughs> all that milk. I'm laying here suffering. You know, I've, I've, I've done that with cookies at night, and then I can't go to sleep, and I'm, I ask why. That's that's the way sin is. We are drawn to it. We're tempted by it. It feels so good in the moment, but it's it bites on the other side. And whether it's donuts or it's some other sin that's maybe a lot more harmful to our spirit, we all... Go through this stuff. 
So certainly, it's a good place to begin if you're feeling down and low to examine. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on in my heart. And have I sinned against you? Have I gone into some type of rebellion? Am I, uh, am I putting my trust in stuff and things? Is that what's going on? Because to be honest, if, if you wish that you had lots of money at Christmas time to buy lots of gifts, and if you wish you could go on trips like other people, then the reason you're depressed is because you have covetousness in your heart and, and you don't have what other people have, and so you're a little sad you got to examine yourself, right? Um, if you are using substances that make you feel good for a while and you come down, including the substance of sugar and donuts and things, yeah, there's, there's reason for you feeling down. If you've lied or you've stolen, guilt can make you feel down, heavy. Sin has that effect on us. So it's always good to examine and ask the Lord, this is another reason why you want to read your Bible, like we talked about last week, so that God's Spirit can point out things in your heart and life, remind you of verses that shed light on what's going on in the heart. But there are other times that there's not an obvious sin. There's no big thing of rebellion. You're trying to follow God. You're, you're trying to do what's right. And you still feel this Heaviness, this distance from God. There's times in my life that I have been in the closet, waiting on the Lord, praying, seeking Him, calling out to Him, worshiping Him, doing the exact same thing that I did the day before, the day before that, the day before that, when His Spirit showed up. And I would be waiting, and He wouldn't come the way He had come. And I'd come back the next day and wait in my closet, Pray and long for his presence again, and he wouldn't come in the way that he had come before. There are times that God, by his own sovereignty, just pulls back, maybe to create that, that panting, that hunger, that thirsting. Yeah. I don't know about you, but when everything starts going really, really great in my life, I can forget God pretty easy. Not totally. But I can begin to enjoy the comfort of life or the stuff and maybe not pray as deeply, as consistently as I do when I hit those low times, those times that make me, make me go to God and ask what's going on. The Bible has more to say about not just the problem that we all have, the struggle with feeling in despair and even questioning and not understanding our own self. Why are we so downcast? Why are we so in despair? But it also gives us some help in how to help a low spirit come up. In Psalm 19, if you back up just a little bit in your Bible, in verse 7, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Now, I love the way the NIV puts it, at least the 84 edition of the NIV. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. 
I just like that terminology. Reviving the soul, bringing life back, stirring it up, maybe giving hope again. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring or reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We're in Psalm 19, verse 7, about to go into verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. What we're talking about is God's word. When we talk about the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandments, or what he's going to mention next, we're talking about God's word. Last week I was encouraging all of us, myself included, to be more consistent readers of God's word this year. I know a few of you at least started reading through the Bible, a plan to read through the Bible in the year, and uh, I've already been hearing good feedback from a few of you, and I know my wife and I started over again, and uh, what a blessing it is to daily be getting in three or so chapters of God's Word very consistently. God's Word is a living and active, the Bible says. Amen. It is living and active. It not only corrects and rebukes us and trains us in righteousness, but it also has the power to revive our soul, to restore. When David is asking, why are you so downcast? Why are you so much in despair, O my soul? His, his response or his, his declaration to his own soul is, put your hope in God. When he asks himself, now if you've ever wondered if you're made of different parts, I love that song that we were just reading because that's where you see that. David understands that there's one part of him, I, I believe it's his innermost being, his spirit is speaking to his soul, his mind, will, and emotions. And he's saying, why are you so sad? Why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. Come on! Rise up! Put your hope in God, he says. Put your hope in God. How does any of us put our hope in God? We first have to see what God is saying to us. We have to know the one we're going to hope in. I, I love what Andrew Murray writes in his commentary on Hebrews. He says that we hope is not just trusting in the promise. Of God. It's trusting in the promiser. Amen. Real hope comes from putting faith and trust in the one who makes the promise. A promise does, has no power in my life if I don't believe the one who made the promise. Amen. I have to believe in the promiser in order to have hope. If a liar comes and promises me a lot of great things, I have no hope. But if someone who is very trustworthy, someone I know is loved, loves me, someone I know always fulfills their word, makes a promise to me, I have great hope and expectation of what's coming because of the one making the promise. Whenever we look at God's word, we know he's one who never lies. We know he's one who loves us unconditionally, loves us beyond what our understanding can even comprehend. And he makes so many beautiful and rich promises in his word. 
But it's important that we develop and grow in our relationship with him so that we know the one, so we, we know the person of God. We know the person speaking to us. The more that we see the way he interacts with the prophets of old, whether it's we're looking at Moses or we look at Joseph or we look at David or whoever we look at in Scripture, and we see the way he interacts, we learn more about him. We begin to know him. The more we pray, the more we call on Him, the more we experience Him, the more we know Him. And the more hope can quickly rise up when we feel low and down. Circumstances are going to ebb and flow in our lives. You're going to have days where something happens, good news comes, you get a raise, you get a promotion. You know, you get engaged, you get married, you get whatever. Great things, good things are going to come. And on those moments, you just found out you're expecting a baby or a grandbaby or whatever it is. And those moments, those days, whoo, you're on a mountaintop. Then there's days where you find out you got laid off or you're getting a cutback in pay or you found out some really bad news of some kind. And those moments are when our soul goes down. And guys, this is part of living on the planet. And there's not a prophet, there's not an apostle, there's no one who didn't go through it, not even the Son of God. Everyone experiences joy and experiences sadness. What we want to guard our heart against, our soul against, is when we hit the lows, that we don't stay there and camp out too long. That we don't begin to identify as being that, that that becomes our new norm. That's why David spoke to his soul. Why are you so downcast? Why are you so in despair? Put your hope in God. Look to his promise. Look to the promiser. Put your hope and trust in one who is in control, one who is sovereign, one who sees the other side of this valley you're in. One who knows you on the other side. One who already sees you in your new job or whatever it is. He sees you beyond. He doesn't just see you here. Sometimes we have to see ourselves the way God sees us. As the apple of his eye. As one who is his child, his son, his daughter. One who has the mind of Christ. One who has declared the righteousness of God. We don't always feel like that. Guys, we're never called to live by our feelings or by our emotions. We're called to live by faith. Mm. That's what the scripture tells us. We're to walk by faith. We're to live by faith. Living by our feelings and emotions is a roller coaster. And you, you were created with emotion. You were created with feelings. God gave us laughter. He gave us tears. He gave us sadness. He, he gave us all of these things. And to quote Ecclesiastes, there is a time for all of it. There's a time for all of it. The important thing is that when we're going through it, when we hit the low places, that we begin to speak to our own soul. We begin to call ourselves to hope in God. We begin to do as we see what the Psalm 19 says. If the law of the Lord is perfect and it revives and restores the soul, then 
And I want to begin to read and meditate on God's Word. I don't want to just read it and throw it away and say, well, I didn't know. Guys, that's... There's not a whole lot going to help you if you already declare it doesn't work before you start. But if you begin to look to God's Word, not just looking to the print on the page and thinking that there's something magic there, but remember that when you go to God's promises, you're going to a living promiser. You're, you're entering into, there's a relationship here, and you're going to one who is alive, and you're calling on him to help you in your grief, in your sadness, in your sorrow, in your heaviness, in your depression. You're looking to him, you're asking him to help you, to give you strength. His law is perfect. It does revive our soul. His testimony is sure. It makes wise the simple, as we talked about last week. His precepts, they are right, and they do rejoice the heart. They bring joy to the heart. They really do. If you've been in sin and you feel depressed and sad and guilt-ridden over your sin, when you see a promise like 1 John 1, 9, and we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. If you take that promise, if you take Him at His word, and you apply that promise to your life. And so you now confess your sins to God. You humble your heart before Him. You confess the wrongs that you've been doing. And you receive His forgiveness. I promise you, you'll go from here to here. Amen. You'll begin to praise God and thank God for His forgiveness, for His mercy, for the condemnation lifting, the guilt, the heaviness of sin lifting off of you. But the only way that happens is because you read the word, heard it, agreed with it, applied it to your life, became a doer of it. The word of God brought joy to your heart. It brought restoration and reviving to your soul because you took it and applied it in faith. There's so many verses that talk about how God loves us while we are still sinners. So many verses that talk about how he washes us whiter than snow, how he cleanses us and purifies us, how we have a high priest who's not unable to sympathize us with us in our weaknesses. So many promises that allow us to have hope again, though we have sinned greatly and grievously. Though our sins have gone on for so, so long, there's promises in Isaiah, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. So much hope can come from God's promises when you're down, when you feel separated from God and distant from God that He loves you. I love that verse that says, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I love that. I love the story of the prodigal son. What hope does that bring if you are in that prodigal place or maybe you have a child or a grandchild who's in that prodigal place. How much hope does a story like that give you? Not just in the fact that they're going to come back, but maybe your hope is even more in the God who loves the prodigal even while they're away. Amen. What hope, what faith, what joy can come when you know God loves you even though you haven't been loving Him? It's, it's, it, it, it's a 
draw, if you feel sad and depressed because you think God doesn't like you anymore, doesn't want you anymore, doesn't love you, you're too dirty, you're too sinful, you've done too much wrong, to read a passage like that kicks that kind of thinking out and brings in a whole new way of thinking. I am loved. And my God is waiting for me to come home. And when he sees me returning to him, he will run to me because he loves me. And the reason that the Son of God himself told that parable is because he wanted us to know the Father's love for us. God the Father loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's just verses like that, scripture like that, that can revive a soul that is downcast. That can begin to lift up our spirits. I remember times in my life where that heaviness has come. And I'm not one who lives in that or deals with that a whole lot, thank the Lord, but it hits me too. It hits me fairly regular. Just low things, sad days, whatever. And I remember years ago in college on one particular time that I was just walking the lawn, I just felt really, really down. And I remember I had been reading this psalm right here. And I remember that verse coming to mind, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving us. So I had it memorized in the NIV. And I remember thinking, he says the law of the Lord will revive my soul, and then his precepts will bring joy to my heart. And so I began to just quote from memory little verses I had memorized. Started with John 3 16. Romans 8 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. I love how God's word all of a sudden can begin to turn a light on when the room of my soul is dark. God's word can bring light, can bring hope, can bring promises, can remind us of his love for us. And you know, even if the heaviness isn't completely gone, there's hope in the midst of the heavens. You can still have hope in the heavens. Hope while you're still not fully out of the despair. You have hope by knowing, being reminded and meditating on the fact that God loves you. God loves you. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're adopted. You're chosen. He promises you an eternity. He promises you promises you and seals you with his Holy Spirit. The living God is inside of you. And he's sanctifying you. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. And those types of promises, guys, they bring hope. Amen. When you trust in the one making the promise to you, no matter why you're where you are, God says nothing can make you hopeless if you will trust what I'm promising you. There's no sin that can keep you from me if you'll put your trust in what I said to do with it. If you'll believe me and you'll act on what I've said to do about it, there's, there's nothing that can cause you to become a hopeless state, a hopeless case. 
There's hope for everybody. No matter where we find ourselves, there's hope. But hope is going to come because of faith. And faith is going to come because you're really hearing what God is saying to you. I preached that last week about really hearing. And then at the 11 o'clock service, there's all kinds of noise and people saying things to me. And uh, a good friend, a guy I've known for years, he's one of our leaders in the church, comes up, says something to me. I didn't hear him. I heard him, but I didn't hear him. So I said, well, praise God, brother. He goes, you didn't hear me. <laughs> he very quickly corrected me. <laughs> I just said, praise God, he told me something that was not good news. <laughs> I thought I heard what he said, but I had my ears hearing about three or four different conversations, I guess, and didn't really hear what he was saying. He said, you just preached on this. <laughs> yeah, I know, you're right. <laughs> I'm glad he's a kind person. <laughs> Guys, we, we can't just hear this or we've got to hear it. When we read the Bible, we can't just go, yeah, I read this. No, we've got to hear what is God saying to me? And how can I apply that? What, where, where is there a promise, something that stirs faith up inside? Because it's that that brings it. It's not just... You know, if I said, hey, if you'll read through the Bible a year this year, it'll fix all your problems with sadness and depression. That's not true. I believe it will help you. I believe it will put before your eyes and your heart tools and promises that can bring about faith. But that faith only comes because you are reading it slow enough. You're reading it with a meditative state enough to let God speak. And you are asking him to speak. And you're listening for his voice. You're listening for what he's wanting to say to you. Because sometimes God knows when we don't know why our soul is downcast, he does. Amen. When you're reading his word and you're listening to his living Holy Spirit, he sometimes in his grace will blow your mind when he shows you a verse and speaks something to you and it shatters the oppression. Amen. It shatters the the darkness, the weightiness over your soul, it just breaks it. And all of a sudden you're going, wow, I had no idea. That's what I needed to hear. That word is what I needed to hear. All of a sudden, the heaviness is gone. There's plenty of times that you and I will not be able to figure ourselves out. And neither will the greatest of psychologists or pastors or anybody else who counsels people. But God will always know exactly what's going on inside of you. He is the counselor and the comforter. He always knows. And I trust him so much to know this, that even if he doesn't fix my problem now, today, or this week, even if I'm still in this place, it's kind of low for me. Every day that I go to him and say, God, I believe, I believe you're with me. I want to thank you for that. I trust you. You're working in me. I don't understand everything, but I trust you. Just saying that prayer alone, just, just in faith, knowing and declaring that he has got me, it, it takes me from here up to at least here. Amen. 
I may not be here, but I know that I'm walking through the low place. I'm not alone in the low place. As I'm walking through the hard stuff, I'm not alone. And that in itself helps. How many of you would rather have somebody with you than be all alone? Most of us want someone with us when we're going through difficult things. God promises that He will never leave us and He'll never forsake us. That He is near to the brokenhearted. He's a constant help in time of need. As I wrap up our time of message, I want to encourage you again. Read your Bibles. If you didn't start since last week, don't say, well, I'll wait till next year. <laughs> I have, this is the first year that I have started reading through the Bible in a year on January 1. So I've started reading through the Bible in March. I've started in June. Okay? Just pick it up and start. Get your app and take off. Don't worry about the date. Just go through it. Read God's Word. Get into it. Let, let the Spirit of God speak to you. Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to invite those who help us here at the altar ministry to go ahead and come forward. This is our time of invitation for you. It's really an invitation from God. But if you if you'd like prayer for something, there's several of us up here would be glad to pray with you. If you just want to come to the altar and pray, you're invited to do that as well. If you want to join this church, if you want to come because you are in need of baptism or maybe the greatest decision of all, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to come and give your life to Christ this morning. Follow me in obedience and baptism. Join this church family so you're not doing life alone. We invite you to respond to God however He's leading you this morning as this song begins to play.